We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, Packer fans, and welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. It is episode 647 today as we take a look at the salary cap and how the Packers can save money in the future as they're going to be tied up against it going into 2020 and 2021. My name is Mike Welland. Alongside me, Tyler Grezegork, as we take a look at what the Packers can do to save some money because the draft is done, free agency is for the most part done, and now it's time to start focusing and getting ready for the potential for football in the fall. And that includes getting contracts figured out, getting cap money figured out, and figure out who's going to be coming back after this 2020 season. Because there's some big names up in free agency. And Tyler, when you look at this kind of the events of the cap and how the contracts have been structured, it's going to be some interesting decisions being made by Brian Gutekunst after this 2020 season. He's really going to have some big decisions to make. And I think this is part of the big reason why there's a lot of scrutiny amongst Packers fans and in the way that Gutekunst approached this draft in taking Jordan Love in the first round. Because, you know, the fad in the current NFL and the way to build a team is to have a rookie quarterback and build around him. And you you supplement the rest of the team before you have to commit big money to the quarterback. And that's really the biggest area of uh, of discomfort with, with the Jordan Love pick. And, and we'll see what uh, what Brian Gutekunst and, and salary cap wizard Russ Ball have in mind, but they're definitely going to have their workout for them as they, as they move forward here in 2020. They're going to have some tough decisions before the season and, and then after the season. So um, let's, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about what they could possibly do because there's, there's endless possibilities at this point. Absolutely. And, of course, we don't know any of the contract details for the draft picks yet. They'll have to get sent to those guys electronically because I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure they're old enough to know how to use a fax machine anymore. But when we get to those contracts, we'll get them on later episodes of the Packaday podcast. But before getting into the actual Packers stuff, there was some free agency news in the NFL front on Saturday, and that is the Red Rocket is going back home to Texas. Andy Dalton is going to be playing for Mike McCarthy. He signed a one-year deal in Dallas. I think it's $3 million base up to $7 million with incentives. And I guess looking at that, Tyler, for Andy Dalton, is that insurance that they may keep as a backup and maybe then extend them if they do lose Dak Prescott or they can't come to an agreement with with Prescott? Oh, for sure. You know, I think 
Um, one thing that Mike McCarthy always wanted in Green Bay was the ability to go out and have a quarterback for when Rodgers went down. And I think that's – I honestly believe that McCarthy went into Dallas and he's like, Jerry, these are the thing, these are the things I did not get in Green Bay that I want to do. And Jerry's doing the best he can to accommodate that. So Dalton for sure is insurance. I don't see him for – one second taking Prescott's job, unless Prescott continues to regress. He, he didn't necessarily have a strong finish in 2019. Um, we'll see, but the, I think it would take a lot of, of, we'll call it regression from Dak Prescott in order for Dalton to take over in Dallas. Absolutely, and that also in, could also include after this year, if they want to bring back Dalton again on, a, on another cheap deal. But if, if Mahomes gets signed earlier by Kansas City, gets extended, that could set a baseline for what Prescott might ask for an extension from Dallas. And if Jerry doesn't want to get off his yacht and pay that, you have a solid backup in Dalton who can come in and, and maybe take over. Right. And the, the longer that Jerry Jones waits, the more expensive Dak Prescott gets. And I can't believe that he doesn't know that. And so it just kind of blows my mind that he has yet to give Prescott his money if he really does view him as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys future. And then on the other end of the Dalton signing is, I know I did, and I'm sure most other people thought he was going to end up in New England. But this should the Patriots, are they confident in Jared Stidham, or are they going to try and tank for Trevor? I've seen reports from some Patriots writers that says that they're confident in Stidham. I thought that they'd make a run for, for Dalton as well. I thought that was the perfect spot for him. Um, you know, Tom Brady light, if you will, maybe not as intelligent in terms of uh, his pre-snap reads and adjustments. But at the same time, he's a guy who can come in and, and you could ask him to simply not make mistakes and that's what Dalton could do for you. And I, th- I thought it was a really good fit. I think Dallas has gave him a lot of money. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know if the Patriots are tanking yet. You know, Bill Belichick always seems to have a move or two up his sleeve. Uh, we'll see. Cam Newton's still sitting out there in free agency. It's very possible they make a play for him and uh, they give uh, McDaniels a, a toy on offense to play with and uh, we'll see. When we get to week one of the regular season, I think we can start to begin to have a better idea of what the Patriots are going to do in 2020. I definitely don't think that they're going to be competing. Um, and I think that Bill knows, Bill Belichick that is, knows that there's, there's no point in being mediocre. So you either should be really bad to get yourself team, premium talent or you should be competing for Super Bowls. And so we'll see what direction they take when the 2020 season begins. Absolutely. I mean, this is the guy who won 11 games with Matt Castle in spare parts. Still got Brian Hoyer there, and of course, like we said, Stidham. But anyway, let's kind of turn our attention toward what the Packers got, and these numbers we have are currently are courtesy of Track. so those are the numbers we have. We have their cap dollars, their cap hit for 2020, and we also have the years those contracts expire, so we can look at a little bit at the guys who are expiring, uh, what their market value might be, and whether they are a, a bet to come back after this season, because like we said earlier, there are a ton of big names out there highlighted by 40% of the offensive line and also most of the offensive backfield. But we're going to start weakest to strongest as far as, or weakest or smallest to largest as far as the cap dollars go. And so we'll start with the tight end position. That only accounts for 2.57% of the salary cap going into 2020. That's 27th in the NFL, and that's headlined by Mercedes Lewis, who has got a one-year $2.25 million cap hit. And after years of spending big on tight end, they gave a, a decent-sized chunk to Jared Cook when they brought him in. Obviously, Jimmy Graham and Martellus Bennett had some serious money come their way for complete and utter failures as far as how they contributed in Green Bay. It's weird seeing Mercedes Lewis now as the top guy, but this is now a young group, and they have some guys who are locked in for multiple years beside, beyond Lewis that are, are expected to be the future of this, this tight end group. Yeah, so I think we can expect to see that this cap number for this group is going to be lower for, for the next few years. you got Sternberger and DeGuara, uh, who are ideally the future of the position. Um, Mercedes Lewis, I think, is a, is a well-needed veteran presence in that group. And I, I see, you know, in terms of contract value, uh, I think that the group is right where it needs to be right now. We'll see how Sternberger and DeGuara hopefully pan out uh, in 2020. And hopefully Sternberger is able to take that big step and be that target in the middle of the field that Rodgers needs and hopefully alleviate some of the need to go spend big on a wide receiver. Uh, and so that's kind of what the plan is, I believe. 
And so if that can if that can really happen and you can get Sternberger on a cheap contract for the next couple of years, they might just kick the wide receiver can down the road until until they're able to shed uh, Rodgers' contract, which we can talk about here in a little bit. But it, I think that the the value and uh, the potential of, of this group is is pretty exciting. No, I agree. And of course, there's also the dead cap hit that is Jimmy Graham, which is actually bigger than anyone in the tight end group. It's like $3.66 million for Graham. That is dead on the cap this year, but it will be cleared up after after this season. And that's the biggest cap hit that is going to be cleared out at the end of the year from the dead cap that they cut of guys they cut, unless they decide to move on from some guys we talk about in a little bit. But beyond that, the next lowest group is the special teams budget which is 2.73% of the cap. That's 16th in the NFL. And, of course, most of that is ends up in the, is Mason Crosby. He's, his cap hit is $4 million. is just under just over 800000 for J.K. Scott, just under for Hunter Bradley. That's about it. I mean, there's no surprises there. They didn't bring in really any competition for those three guys. Those three guys are pretty set in for the team, and Mason Crosby is going to be a Packer, a lifer. He's going to be setting records for games played by the time that contract expires. Yeah, exactly. There's not much to talk about here. You go pay your kicker. Um, I was on the I was on the train to to cut Crosby to save a couple million. I was on that train, and I think I was wrong. I, I would rather I'd rather pay him four million and, and uh, be a reliable uh, asset in that special teams unit. Um, I, I think that he not only provides stability at the kicker position, but I think he's a good mentor, not only for J.K. Scott, but for a lot of other young players on this team. Um, and I, I know not that this should be a part of the a, a part of this conversation necessarily, but I do know that him and Rodgers are, are pretty close as well, which, which is understandable considering they've been on the team for a long time together. So, well, so I think I think they're the only two guys left from the Super Bowl team now. Now that Brian Bullock is in Los Angeles, I think it's just those two guys left. Bakhtiari. Oh, he was on the Super Bowl team 10, 10 years ago. Oh. Chad okay. Clinton was a left tackle. You're right. You're and Mark right. Tauscher was an injured reserve. <laughs> You're right. That That is a definitely a different era in Packers offensive line-isms, I guess you'd call it. Absolutely. And then look, looking at Bradley and Scott quickly, they, they have two years left in their deal. So they're expiring after 2022. This is going to the third year of their four-year deals. And yeah, I think both of them probably need to step it up a little bit be- before even thinking about getting them, ex- uh, even if they're cheap extensions down the road. Yeah, and I, punters are pretty replaceable. The only thing you really need a punter to do is just not shank punts. Honestly, if you can find yourself a, a, a tremendous punter who can who can punt at sixty yards and be within the twenty every time, then great. But it's not it's not a need. It's it's a luxury, and so I. I have a hard time seeing them paying J.K. Scott at this point. We'll see if that changes um, in the next couple of years. He's still a young guy, but um, I don't see them sh- shelling out a lot of money to, to really extend him later on. So I feel like this is going to be a revolving door, as it has been for the last few, we'll say, punters and, and years. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that would be if they view the operation for field goals being consistently solid, then you want to keep that continuity, but... Again, both two young guys, so things can change. But moving on to the next lowest, and the only one under $10 million as a group, which is the running backs. It's 21st in the NFL with 3.57% of the 2020 cap, and this is where the fun begins. The highest cap hits are Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, both just over $2 million. Tyler Irvin's at just under 900000 then Dexter Williams, and then all the other guys. We haven't seen A.J. Dillon's deal yet at all, because they haven't agreed to one. But those top three guys, they're all up after this year. Williams, Jones, and Irvin. And we know Aaron Jones is going to get paid, depending on who it is. Someone's going to be paying him some serious money. Jamal Williams probably get a little bit of an upgrade as well, probably with a different team. And if Irvin continues to return kicks at a high level, or he becomes an offensive weapon... You never know. So th- this this is the probably the position group most in major flux as far as what might go from year to year. And I guess Tyler, what do you see in the running back group that's that could lead the Packers to a decision that they're going to make in the future? Well, I think that them spending a second round pick on AJ Dillon really speaks to the volumes of which they think of this group as a whole. I know that LaFleur wants to run the football, so let's look at Tennessee real quick. 
what did Tennessee do? They they made Derrick Henry the guy, and then they went out and got a guy like a Deion Lewis to be supplementary to him. I think if you're looking at this offense, Aaron Jones is the guy right now. A.J. Dillon has to earn that spot, obviously. I, I have confidence that he will because I'm actually a believer in the player of A.J. Dillon. But he's the only player under contract past this year. So something's got to give. Jamal Williams, unfortunately, I, I I would love to retain him because I just think he's – He's part of the lifeblood of this team. It just it financially, it's just not in the cards, most likely. And uh, Aaron Jones is going to get paid. I think I saw somewhere on Spot Track. I don't have it pulled up right now. His valuation was twelve million. You know, we talk about not paying running backs. Somebody's going to pay him, like you said. And I, I just don't see it being Green Bay at this point. They're going to have to shed money elsewhere if they want to do that. And I just, I just don't see that happening. So. If they can work out a team-friendly deal with Aaron Jones, of course, bring him back. Run him, you know, run him with AJ Dillon. I think it's a fantastic tandem to have for a couple years. But I, I honestly think that if there is a future in this group of the players on the roster, it's Jones and Dillon. Uh, and I think everybody else that's on the roster right now is unfortunately going to be off the team next year, and you're going to be looking at another rookie running back uh, in 2021. Yeah, I'm, I'm on most of the same mind. I, I. I... Everything I've heard from Aaron Jones is signified that he he'd be sounds like he'd be willing to take a hometown discount, and maybe if you base on maybe what the Melvin Gordon deal is in Denver, that's still expensive, but it's two years at eight, I think each. But that's better than the valuation of twelve. So that that's the thing that with what you do because he's going to be such a multifaceted weapon for this team, and unless Jamal Williams agrees to what his rookie contract is, just repeated. I don't see any way he stays either. I agree with you on that. So it's most likely Jones and Dylan as the future, like you said. The the one that interests me is going to be Tyler Irvin, though, whether if he can produce, do they go with a different kick returner and let him move on, or does they value him that much to maybe think about keeping him around? Because, because that's one of those smaller deals that you overlook, but later in a season you realize how big that could be. Yeah, it's going to be completely dependent upon how LaFleur decides to actually use him. I think that they wanted to use him more uh, this past season. They just didn't get the opportunity to. Um, in relation to Aaron Jones, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him too. Can he stay healthy as well? That's a big question for him. And if he can if he can maintain the same role and be productive in that role and stay healthy, I think he could get himself a contract like like a Melvin Gordon, up, upwards of eight million a year. I think I would be willing to shell out for Aaron Jones, but there's just there's just too many question marks right now. And I, I believe that uh, Gutekunst on the floor believe the same thing. The biggest thing is health for Aaron Jones. If he can put together another full season of health, that's going to go a long way towards him getting a, a deal in Green Bay. So that's the one big key factor you're looking out for for him. Absolutely. So as we, as we move on, we go from seven million for position group now to nineteen, and that's the defensive line. They are thirtieth in the NFL in the percentage of cap, and that's nine point four five. But we all know that is going to jump dramatically, very shortly, and that's because of Kenny Clark. Uh, Clark's cap this year is seven point seven, I think it says here, and then you have Dean Lowry at five point two million, Montrevious Adams at just over one. Everyone else is under a million. But they've read, Brian Gooding has come out publicly and said their biggest priority is going to be Kenny Clark. They want him locked up. They want him a Packer for a long time yet. And he, and with some of the deals we've seen from these defensive linemen, he is going to be paid with a capital P. Yes, and that number, the current number for the entire defensive line group is $19.3 million. Clark's going to make more than that. And that's that's crazy to think about because of the market where it was a couple of years ago it was about 15, 16 for a really good defensive lineman in the interior. Grady Jarrett, I think just signed a 20 to $21 million per year contract. That's going to be the negotiating guideline for, for Clark and his, and his agent. So I wouldn't be shocked to see anywhere upwards of 22 to 23 million a year for Kenny Clark. And you, you got to build around him though. And I think they have to get him help. Uh, he's not going to be able to do it all alone. And so, if you're going to keep a guy like Clark, you need to put some playmakers around him regardless, and they're going to have to be done on cheap deals. So that's going to be really interesting to see how they do that, how they how they maintain that Clark 
force on on the defense with with a with a new contract, and then they put young playmakers around them. So uh, we'll kind of table that, I guess, for now. But that's kind of what I'm thinking is the 22 to 23 million. Everything points to them wanting to get a deal done. If they don't get a deal done, it's obviously because they simply can't make the financials work. Um, but fingers crossed, double fingers crossed that they can because he, he's the centerpiece of this defense right now. And and luckily they do have the tag coming up if they need it. But with and then you have the biggest one that's a, kind of an interesting one is going to be Dean Lowry though he's got a five point two million dollar cap hit and. I'm, I'm going to look at see if there's any outs coming from that, whether the, how much dead money there would be from the future. Because, yeah, I think that might be a number they look to move in the next couple years. Because as much as I like Dean, he's a good blue-collar guy, that's a really rich contract. Well, if a guy like a Kingsley Kiki, if he comes and he emerges this year, like I have all the confidence in the world that he will. If he emerges, then that makes a, a little bit more expensive Dean Lowry expendable. Um I just don't think because his deal is so fresh, he's going to have an out after this year. Probably going to be in a year, a year after. So I would say in two seasons from now, he'll have an out in his contract. That's that's typically how the Packers do it: two to three seasons, depending on the length. Um, they put in they, that's where they build their out. So that would be my guess. Yeah, I, I have actually have his uh, his spot track profile up right now. The cap it goes up a million each year for him as well. Uh, so after 2020, the dead cap would be 6.5 million if they were to cut him this year. It goes to 3 million in 2021, but only 1.5 in 2022. Because the roster bonuses are much more front loaded for this year for, for Lowry. So they could maybe get out of it, uh, before 2021 with only a $3 million, uh, dead cap. But I think most likely is after 2021 when it's only 1.5. So if they can, or they can, spread it out, extend it a little bit, or, or something like that, but it seems like probably one to two more years of Dean Lowry at, at the contract that he has now. Yeah, and I think that's fair value, too. And he, He's going to go on the open market as a free agent. He'll get a contract upwards of 4 or $5 million a year because the free agency market is crazy. And so I think if that's what you're maintaining him at, as a veteran defensive lineman, a guy you can rely on to come in and give you 50, 50% of the snaps and, and do his job, then that's fine. You know, you're going to have to pay guys eventually. And so I'm okay with paying a guy, uh, I would say, market value um, when you know what you're going to get from him. Absolutely. And then, of course, a guy like Montrevious Adams, the last year of his deal, there's only 200,000 dead cap if he were to get cut. So he's going to have to show up in camp and really ball out to, to make this team. And then the other one I was looking at is a guy like Tyler Lancaster. There is no dead cap with him. So if they can, if there's other defensive linemen who step up, and whether it's the Kings of Kiki or Montrevious Adams or a guy like Trayvon Hester who just signed Gerald Willis, if those guys can all step up and Tyler Lancaster does get get cut, there's no cap, there's no dead cap there. So that's that is one thing that that could save them around a, a little under a million dollars. Yeah, no, and I think that they're. They're gonna, they're definitely gonna be living by that squeezing the dollar mentality because they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to squeeze every single dollar out of this team for the next two to three seasons to, to stay relevant and to keep talent at certain positions. And without a doubt. And then the next, uh, lowest cap group is the quarterbacks. Of course, there's only two of them. It's 13th in the NFL with 11.28% of the cap that is not factoring in Jordan Love's deal yet. And obviously, it's Aaron Rodgers at $21.64 million is a 10.5% of the cap. Tim Boyle only at 750000 And then Jordan Love and then undrafted rookie Jalen Morton. And we've, this has been discussed ad nauseum. Aaron Rodgers is going to be in there for at least two more years. The most likely outs could be before 2022, which, which would leave a $17.2 million cap hit. But if they wanted to go after 22, the dead cap is only to 2.8 million. So they could go three years of Rod, uh, with Aaron Rodgers, and it would be a much much smaller cap hit. And that would, if, if he's ready to play, Jordan Love would sit for three. Yeah, and that's probably realistic. You'd get two years then. Well, one one year of super discounted Love, and another year of semi discounted Jordan Love. Um, but I mean, it, 
you're still going to be paying upwards of $30 million for that fifth year, which is going to be crazy. So uh, we'll see how they approach this. I'm very curious. I don't believe any of the crap about Rodgers being upset. I don't think he cares, honestly. He knows. He's not dumb. He knows that his time in the NFL and as a as a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers is going to be coming to a, a close in, in the near future, uh, whatever that is, four years, five years. I don't think he cares. So really it's all about the development of Jordan Love. And if he can push Rodgers to – if he can push the team to move on from Rodgers in two years – all the power to him. That's going to help this team out. And it really makes Gutekunst on the floor look like geniuses, I think. But at the same time, this team is just going to be so financially strapped because of this Rodgers contract. And it's just, it's just, there's no other way to slice it. <laughs> like they, they can't get out from this contract for a reason, reasonably until 2022. And even then, that's $17 million of a dead cap, which will could, Whereas we saw the rumors of, of after the draft or the rumor monitoring of Rogers should demand a trade. Well, he's not going to put a fifty-one million dollar dead cap spot on a team that trades him, and, and not even Brett Favre at his most vindictive would do that. And at the same time, there's different ways you can manage that cap penalty. Um, I believe, and somebody can quote me if I or uh, come at me if I'm wrong and quote me on Twitter, but. I believe if you cut a player in the offseason prior to the regular season, that cap hit gets spread out over two years. If you do it in-season, it's a one-year hit. Uh, it might be reversed, but one of the two. So there's different ways that they can mitigate that hit if they want to um, and really kind of help themselves out. I have all the faith in the world in Russ Ball. He's been a wizard so far, and uh, he's definitely going to get his money's worth after the next couple of years. So we'll see what they do there. I think that we need more information, and then honestly, after 2020, I think we'll have a better idea. Because if Rodgers continues to regress, we're going to have a bigger problem on our hands. Agreed. And then, I guess, last thing on the quarterbacks, I'm looking to see if there's any dead cap for, or cap hit, or dead cap for Tim Boyle, and it's $2,000. So, a, a used car. So, the next highest group is the is going to be the wide receivers at 12.19%, 15th in the NFL at just under $25 million as a group. And that is headlined by two guys making seven figures. Devontae Adams cap hit $16.475 million, and Devin Funches at $2.265. Otherwise, uh, Marcos Valdez Scanley at a, just under over $800,000. EQ just under $800,000. G. Kumaro at $750,000. Alan Lazard at the bargain of the century at 675000 and other guys around the 600000 mark. But you got to think, even though he's not up yet, Devontae Adams, you got you to gotta start maybe thinking about it a little bit, because I think he's in two years out, 2022. Yeah, so you got to think of whether you want to give him a third contract, and if my memory serves correct, the only Packer receiver in the Rodgers era to get a third consecutive contract, well, did Jordy Nelson get a third one? Because I don't think I don't know if anyone else did. Cobb didn't. Jennings didn't. James Jones eventually got a third after going to Oakland and New York. But I don't think anyone besides Driver and maybe Nelson got a third deal. I uh, I don't have that information on the top of my head. But Devontae Adams going into twenty twenty two will be twenty nine years old. Not bad. Still still a good age to to pay your receiver. And the the thing I like about Devontae Adams is his style of play bodes well to aging. So he doesn't he doesn't rely on his physical prowess to to be impactful, and I think that that's going to help um, him as he ages. And I think that he will get a third contract as long as his produ- as long as his production and his health continues. Health is a minor concern at this point, but it's something to definitely keep in the back of your mind as you think about these contracts. Um, twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one is going to be an interesting transition because between 2021 and 2022 virtually all these receivers are off the books so it's it's going to be a very interesting transition point for this wide receiver group and and um, i'm very curious to see how good it comes from the floor approach it yeah it's either going to be a series of second contracts that are going to be slight raises not mvs and eq aren't going to break the bank with with a second contract but it'll still be a an upgrade from what they're getting paid now and Adams actually cap it doesn't go up much after this year. It's 16.47 now. It goes to 16.6 in 2021. 
So it's it's pretty similar. It's just in a little bit extra of a roster bonus. So again, very front loaded from what they've done, and it's it's done. A, and again, Russ Ball pulled his magic with Adams again. But you're right. In a couple years, this is going to be an interesting one, and that also also means with all the cap issues that we're talking about, that Devin Funches is literally a one year rental for the Packers. Right. Exactly. So the the next group up is a little bit more diverse, and that's the secondary. Uh, 15 players, 25.76 million on the cap, 12.63%. That's 24th in the NFL as of right now. And, of course, that doesn't include Vernon Scott's rookie deal, which won't really change too much. The biggest one is Adrian Amos at 9.65 million. Then it is Jair Alexander at 3.3, Kevin King at 2.25, Daryl Savage at 2.8, Josh Jackson at 1.7 million this year. Everyone else is, is, is 750,000 or below. And I'm looking at the most notable one there, I think, is Josh Jackson. I'm looking to see if, what the dead cap would be if they cut him this year, and it'd be 1.3 million. I can't, I don't see them making that cut yet on him at only 24 years old. I, I don't think and, so either. I think that they need to wait and see what he can do. He needs to step up this year. He, he is one of those players that absolutely without a doubt, has to step up this year. They are going to be way too dependent upon his roster spot and the investment that they made into him being a second-round pick. He needs to step up this year, and he needs to he needs to step up or shut up, basically. Because if, if he doesn't this year, then I, I think that that's his... I, I, I agree with you, and to me, that means he's got to stay healthy. Because uh, I, I thought he was, off, he was off to a solid... He had a an alright rookie year, not great, not terrible. But then he got hurt in camp last year and it really set him back with Tremont Williams continuing to defy age and then Chandon Sullivan and Kenar Holman both stepping up a little bit in camp. So yeah, he needs to bounce back and maybe be that nick of that third corner this year. He needs to make that step up. And then beyond that, the other one is Kevin King. King is in the last year of his deal. Uh, there's a little dead cap, but he's still not going to get cut, but at 2.25 million right now, you gotta think, if he stays healthy, he's looking at a, a pretty large raise. And then even beyond that, you gotta think, in a few years, Jair Alexander getting a second contract as well, so. And of all the big names that have been talked about with the Packers priority list for, for extensions, where would you put King in there? Cause corners are pretty important in the modern NFL. I think it depends on Josh Jackson. And how much progress he makes, uh, this, this year. If, if King can put together a second straight solid season where he's healthy, he's making plays, uh, and he shows continued improvement, cause even though he was making the flashy plays last year and the splashy plays, there were still areas where he needed to improve a little bit. I still think he gets hated on way too much, but he needs to improve. He needs to become more consistent. Um, if he can do those things and stay healthy, lock him in. I think, I think you lock him in. Um, three, four year deal, give them the money, 12, 13, 14 million, whatever it is. I think that's what you do because you, you draft these guys to hopefully develop them so you can pay them. If, if you're paying guys, it's, it's most likely because they, they panned out to be the player you thought they could be. You know, so you, as we see all the fifth year options on these first round picks get declined, it, it really makes you evaluate the roster as a whole. I, I think that this is an area if they can keep if they can keep that that triumvirate of Alexander King and hopefully Jackson, if they, I think if they can keep that in place for a few more years, they'll, they'll be okay at, at the cornerback position. Absolutely, and you, and you talk about the fifth year option thing. I think I remember right of the the draft class that's up for them now, four of the top five picks got declined. Yeah, because Trubisky, Solomon Thomas, Fournette, and Corey Davis all had their options declined. So that that's a huge thing. So yeah, if you can, and I can't think of the last time Russ Ball gave a bad second contract to a guy. So you can, like the closest one would probably be Dean Lowry, but is if they perform, they keep him around and they get pretty good market value for them. And so I'm with you on Kevin King on that one. Uh, and then I guess the last thing amongst the secondary is I'm looking at Adrian Amos's breakdown because he does have he is making a lot of money. And it depends on whether, if they need to restructure going down, his dead cap does drop after this season from 12.2 to 5.5 and then 
in the last year, but he'd still only be 29 at that point. So I don't see, I don't see them getting out from Amos, but it's something to keep an eye on for the future. I don't see them getting out from Amos's contract either, but I do see it running out, and I don't think he's going to get a second contract. I just don't know if he's going to be worth the value of a second contract. It completely depends on what that value is, which we are way too far away from right now to make that judgment. But um, kind of where kind of where I'm at right now, I think that they hope Raven Green can be that guy, um, but Raven Green needs to stay healthy too. So it, there's a lot of question marks at the safety position moving forward. I think Darnell Savage is the only piece you can absolutely count on. Yeah, and I, I think if you factor in special teams, I think Will Redmond's going to be around a while too, but he's not going to break the bank for anything. So that leaves two position groups left. And so we will go to the linebackers, which includes the edge rushers. It's $44 million in total, 21.65% of the cap. That's fourth in the NFL. And after the spending spree they went on last year, not too much of a shock on that one. Uh, Zadarius Smith's cap hit 17.25 million. Preston Smith's 13.5. Christian Kirksey at 4.125. 3.6 for Sean Gary. Oren Burks is just under a million. Tim Williams just under a million. And then everyone else is under 700,000. So, and the big ones there, obviously, Kirksey essentially on, on, on a one year deal. Uh, Gary a rookie deal. Preston and Zadarius, those guys aren't going anywhere. Uh, they are the heart and soul of, essentially, of this team at this point. But the two big ones are Oren Burks, who has got a dead cap hit this year of 400000 And it'd be it's 200000 after next year. And so what you talked about with Josh Jackson, he's a guy who needs to step up, or he's going to be gone. And that's about a, eventually about a million dollars straight up off the cap after this year. Yeah, you know, I don't even think that for, for purposes of, of cap evaluation... I don't even think that Preston Smith and Zendarius Smith are safe because moving forward, I think Preston Smith, his out was this year um, in terms of the way his contract was structured. You can, I think they can save about $8 million by moving on from him after this upcoming season. And then the season after that, they could save about $10 million moving on from Zendarius Smith. So if these guys all of a sudden hit a wall and, and, and just their, their performance just drops, the Packers are not hampered by these deals for a long, long time. The the way that they've structured these these contracts is very friendly towards that 2022 year, which we keep coming back to. It's almost as if that was planned in a way by by this by this management. It makes me wonder what they have in mind for that 2022 transition period because a lot of these big contracts are going to be coming off the books by that point. And and that's again that's the the that goes back to the Aaron Rodgers one. So if that one goes, that opens up a lot. Uh, Preston Smith's, actually Zedarius Smith frees up, if they were to get an out after 2021, it would free up $15 million. It'd be a $5 million dead cap. The cap hit would be almost $21 million. And for Preston Smith, it's after 20, it'd be after this year. It would save about $8 million off the cap. And then $12 million in 2022. So, but those guys I see as they're both the same age. Those guys are prime candidates to extend and spread out the hit, I think. Because I think, and that would flat, it would flatten, for lack of a better word, flatten the curve of the, what the contracts would do. But then you gotta think about in a few years, around the 2023 is, Sean Gary would be looking at a second contract. Well, hopefully he's emerging and you can move on from a guy like a Preston Smith. You know, I honestly believe that's the plan, was get this young guy, develop him, so in two to three years we can move on from one of the two edge rushers, save a little bit of money there. I think that was the long-term plan. So if Gary can emerge in that route, in that role, then I think that's really falling into the plan for, for this team and what they want to do moving forward. No, I agree. And then the last position to look at is the offensive line. They are currently second in the NFL in cap dollars. At just over 51, that's 25% of the cap. And so starting at tackle, which is the big one, David Bakhtieri. Uh, $14.7 million on the cap this year at age 28. He is looking at... And he and we just saw the Laramie Tunzel contract. That's probably the starting point for David Bakhtieri, which is $22 million per. Now, talking of hometown discounts... He's a guy that I would be see, that I would see would be willing to take a hometown discount, and so they're going to need him too if they want to keep him after 2020 because 
man, I just don't know where the money's going to come from. And um, you talk about signing Kenny Clark to a long-term deal. That's $22, $23 million a year. You're talking about signing Devin Bakhtiari to a long-term deal. That's another $16, $17 million a year. It's it's a lot of money to, to commit to these guys. And so they just have a lot of a lot of these guys coming up at the same time. And somebody's going to have to go eventually. It's really going to be a matter of prioritizing what that is and who it is. I agree, and that's why you got to be nervous because – there is no backup left tackle on this roster right now. And so Bakhtiari, I think he's got to be a guy. He's only 28. He'll only be 29 when his contract expires. And left left tackles are basically gold. And, yeah, yeah you're right. I think he's a candidate for a hometown discount. Very bonus-heavy, very incentive-heavy. And it's one that you can spread out, uh, much like they did with Chad Clifton back in the day. He got a couple of deals, and the money was spread out pretty well. On the other side, Rick Wagner, one-year deal, $4.8 million. Not much there. The other guys are all on rookie deals. Can't expect too much from Alex Light, Yos Nijman, and the young guys yet. At guard, the big two, Billy Turner and Lane Taylor. And to a smaller extent, Lucas Patrick. Uh, inside, Turner has been the talk about the... But the out is after this season. He is... It's, it's more dead cap this year than it would be... It would cost more to get rid of him than to keep him. In, or it would cost more to get rid of him. Yeah, it, so the cap, that cap would be 9.75 this year for him. But next year that drops to four and a half. You would save about three and a half million for Turner and it would save six million if you keep him through 2022. Prime candidate after the season, I think, is going to be Turner to be let go. And he, uh, best, be, he, he does, he does his best, but he, but as far as the line goes, yeah, I think he's probably the weakest link of the starting five. No, I think you continue to look at the guard spot here, and you look at Lane Taylor. Lane Taylor, I think you just keep him at this point. You don't move on from him. Solid piece, play all over the offensive line. I don't think that the money is that big of a deal at this point. Moving forward, yes, it will be. That $5 million will be key. But I think you just let his contract expire. Let him walk into free agency. Hopefully land a comp pick from somebody. Because obviously I don't know if the trade market's there. I feel like they may have moved him already if there was. Somebody that was interested in Lane Taylor. I mean, he's good. he's 30 years old going into this year. Probably not much value there in terms of a long-term uh, value or a trade partner. So I, I would just be looking to let Taylor's contract run out and keep him as a sixth offensive lineman and depth piece for the 2020 season. Yeah, it essentially saves $4 million if you were to cut him. But, yeah, it's not spectacular. I was just trying to look up to see for a four, an undrafted free agent, Lane Taylor has made some serious money in his career, so props to him for that. He's made about $18 million throughout his, his NFL tenure. Mass respect. The other one's Lucas Patrick. The out is after 2020, but it's still only a cap of $1.5 million. That's a That was a great contract by Brian Gutekunst. Ross Ball last year was Lucas Patrick with how valuable of a backup that he is. But then that even goes to even around the 2022 mark, then you start thinking about Elton Jenkins getting a second contract. So that We've been harping on it this entire podcast, but that 2022 offseason is going to be absolutely bonkers, and it is going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing. I don't, and I think it's going to start in 2021. So I think we get we get this year the 2020 Packers. It's going to start next year. Next year is when there's going to be changes. Um, what those changes are obviously remain to be seen, but it's going to it's after this year. I think it's just going to get kind of nuts. Because they're gonna have to make they're gonna have to make money somewhere. They're gonna have to plant a money tree in the back and, and go harvest it, or they're just gonna have to shed all these shed all these contracts. So we'll, we'll see what they do, but they, they're definitely gonna have their work cut out for them, as we've been saying. And um, I'm for one excited for it because I love team building and I think it's a lot of fun. So okay, and even before we get to the centers, that's one thing that I guess hurt that's gonna get hurt by the fact that we don't know what the season's gonna look like, whether there'll be fans, whatever is a lot of times that first, that helps the cap rise as the years go on. And with TV contracts, we don't know what they're going to be at either. We don't know if the cap's going to stay the same, if it's going to go up less than normal, if it's going to end up having a skyrocketing effect. We That all has to get factored in when you make these contracts, because if you over-calculate it, you put yourself back in a very bad spot, and you're, 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 then your cap is in trouble for a long, long time. Agreed. And I think that they've done a great job of managing it this far. The the biggest one that could bite them in the butt was the Aaron Rodgers contract. So 
we'll see um we'll see if it does indeed bite them in the butt because they're they're committed to it for at least two more years. And so lastly in the offensive line we get to the centers and the only player of note there, Corey Lindsley in the final year of his deal as well at age twenty nine. Cap hit is ten point five million dollars, the dead cap would be two million. So they would save eight and a half million if they were to cut him now, but there is no way you I can see that happening with unproven guys behind him. The backup center is by default uh, Lucas Patrick, and then you'd have like Elton Jenkins have to slide over or the rookie Jake Hansen. So yeah, I think one more year of Lindsley, but I I I find it hard seeing him back next year with all the other deals. Yeah, I think ideally you're moving Elton Jenkins into center and you're hoping a guy like a John Rundin can emerge at guard. Uh, you draft another guard or you get one in free agency. Um, but honestly, that offensive line could, could look completely different going into 2021 because they're going to have some pieces to figure out. So we'll see. I think Elton Jenkins is going to be the cornerstone, one of the cornerstones of it, um, but they're going to have to consider their future at tackle and guard, both guard spots. So Agreed. I, ideally, I think you'd hope Jake Hansen can step up and be the guys also that maybe you could keep Jenkins at guard, but you're right there. There's a lot of questions, and they're going to be hoping a lot from these day three picks to maybe develop a little, maybe quicker than you want. But you got they got to start leaning on some of these guys early to figure out what to do. So I guess as we wrap things up, that's just kind of a brief breakdown of the cap. Uh, I don't think either of us are any by any means cap experts, but we we do what we can with the data that we have. But the, there, there's the big five that are free agents. You got Aaron Jones, you got David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley, Kenny Clark, and Kevin King are the big five right now. Tyler, how would you rate them priority, and who would you, who would you favor bringing back if you had to choose them in order? Um, probably in order, it goes Clark, Bakhtiari, King. Uh, who are the last two? It was Lindsley and. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Uh, yeah, I would probably put it in terms of in terms of importance. I would go Clark, Bakhtiari, King, Lindsley, Aaron Jones, and I would go. I would just switch the last. So I would go Jones over Lindsley, just because because the playmaking of Jones and the and his youth. Lindsley will be pushing thirty. Uh, ben said he'll have played a lot of snaps, and I think. As good of a guy he is, good of a player as he, as he is, Packers have done pretty good finding centers over the years, whether it was Scott Wells, Evan Smith, uh, the random half year of Jeff Saturday. They, they can find centers. Uh, and Elton Jenkins, we talked about, can slide over there as well. So that is our kind of in-depth breakdown of the cap situation the Packers are in. It's going to be an interesting next few years, to say the least. And it's going to involve Russ Ball going above and beyond the magic that he usually uh, usually performs to make this all work going forward, especially as the cap does increase and contracts do grow in that way as well. So as we wrap things up, Tyler Grezegork, where can people find you? Uh, so not much right now, still kind of sitting in a hiatus, but Dynasty Fantasy Football is starting to pick back up with the rookie drafts, so uh, make sure to check out DynastyNerds.com. There's a lot of great content over there. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez. T-Y-L-E-R underscore G-R-E-Z. Absolutely. And you can, of course, find me on, on Twitter at Mike Wendland as well. Uh, I'm still writing for Daily Night Express. I have a couple of projects I'm working on right now. One is I'm still breaking down the Packers, Patriots, Ravens way because there's a lot of similarities there in team building. The most recent draft not being an exception to that. That makes things a little bit more uh, awkward, but I'm still working on that. I'm also working on a piece comparing Aaron Rodgers and in his older age to John Elway and and kind of like the path that I keep on seeing of Matt LaFleur kind of going that Shan, Mike Shanahan route from, as far as building around your uh, your older quarterback and building playmakers around him to take some pressure off him and try and win a couple Super Bowls late in their career. So keep an eye out for that over the next couple of weeks. And, of course, follow us everywhere on Packaday Podcast, at Packaday Podcast on Twitter and wherever you can find podcasts in the audio form as well, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, we are there. So for Tyler Grezikort, this is Mike Wellen saying so long for now, and we'll talk to you again next week, and of course more Pack Day podcast content every single day. And as always, go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.